you tell how amped up I am about that? <laughs> oh, I can't imagine if the church would start reading his word, what we would become. Transform our lives forever. And so I am. I'm challenging us starting tomorrow. If we read the Bible every day, starting tomorrow, two days left in January, 28 days in February, it'd be 30 days, a 30 for 30 challenge. You know how ESPN has their 30 for 30? A 30 for 30 challenge in that you read the Bible every day, and if whatever God shares with you, shows you through his scripture, that you just then post it to social media. You say, ooh, I, I don't know about that. Listen, can you imagine what that would do? First off, if you read the Bible every day for the next 30 days, it's going to become a habit. Then the word of God's going to get down in you and make you strong. Then what's going to happen is if you'll post it, because see, you learn more when you share it with someone else. That's a, that's a psychological, you know, statistic. I mean, when you share something, a truth that you're grabbing with someone else, it deepens inside of you. So you share it with your friends. Can you imagine? That's also what that's also going to do. That's also going to mess up your world because now you can't be out clubbing and partying every weekend because now you're talking about the Bible. I'm just helping you in your Christianity. That's all. I'm growing you. That's all. <laughs> so, yeah, so I challenge you to take up the 30 for 30 challenge with me and many of the guys here at the church. We're just going to go for it and uh, just read the word every day. I've got some CFNI students that are in my class. I have a class on uh, personal discipleship, so they're reading the Bible every day already. So it all is just coming together, man. God's going to do something great. And so, again, 30 for 30. Now, if, if you're new to reading the Bible and you're like, dude, I don't really know much about the Bible, my suggestion is that you don't start in the book of Numbers. Um, but that you would start in the book called Luke, okay? That's about, that's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. You can find it. Go in the front of the Bible. It has a concordance. Or if you have a digital Bible, you can kind of scroll through the books, and, uh, and you can find the book of Luke and start reading there and read all the way through to the book of Acts. It'll just be powerful for you in that capacity. That's what I would suggest to you. If you're single, don't read the Song of Solomon either. Let's just start with the book of Luke. And, uh, and until you've been saved like 100 years, don't even mess with the book of Revelation. You're just going to confuse you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being silly. And so today, as we're jumping into this new series, I'm calling the series 30 for 30. And we're going to really focus on the Word of God. We're going to focus on the power of His Word, of what He has in His Holy Scriptures for us. So, so I'd like to take a little moment and just kind of help you know the Bible for a second, just in some practical pieces, and just kind of speak to the legitimacy of the Word of God. And so a couple things you need to know about the Bible is that it is a collection of 66 books. 66 books make up what we call the Bible. And, uh, you know, someone asked me the other day, hey, what books are you reading right now? I said, well, First uh, Timothy, James. They're like, no, 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 do you have any, like, self-help books? Yeah, First uh, Timothy, James... And they're like, yeah, but do you lead, read any leadership books? And I'm like, yeah, Proverbs. Um, they're like, yeah, but, you know, Covey's got this great book out. I'm like, yeah, that's really good. But right now, I'm just trying to get these 66 books down. And if I could get those down, then I know something supernatural is going to happen in my life. And so I do read the other books. I'm not being facetious. I'm, I'm being a little facetious about that. But at the same time, if I could just get this down, 66 books, they were written by 40 different authors over about a 1,400-year period, somewhere close to 1,500 years, and over a period of time. And can I just help you understand something that will blow your mind? Those 66 books by 40 different authors, most of which uh, didn't know each other, uh, a handful of them knew each other, and everything from kings that God used to write these scriptures to 
fishermen, come on now, to shepherds, highly, highly educated, to that dude ain't ever even finished third grade. All the way through that. And God used these people as he spoke to them to write down what he's speaking. And then we call that the inspiring power of God flowing through them to jot down these scriptures. And they became holy scriptures to us, the believers in God. And over a 1,400, can you imagine 1,500 years ago, the people that lived in that time, if they were to write you a letter and you were trying to read it and explain it and how it might would even contradict the philosophical thoughts of this day, these guys, God used them to put all of this together. And friend, can I tell you, they don't conflict. They work together supernaturally. Only God can bring his holy word together over 1,500 years of people writing what he tells them to write and make it a book that makes sense. Come on now. It's something you can apply to your life and can grow you. Why? Because it is his inspired word powerful and it'll transform your life that's why there's been such an attack on its validity over the years because if it's not God's word then we don't have to listen to it if it's not God's word then we don't know what the standard of right and wrong is if it's just humanity being human then it has no real value to it it's how people have approached it but friend let me tell you something you've been studying all of Darwin's theories where'd he get them from You've been men's theories about men's theories. God spoke to these men and gave us his holy word. It is powerful. It will transform your life. It'll shake you for all of your life. And I want you to understand, even, let me just give you even just one little fact to help you a little bit. There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus coming to the earth. He fulfilled every one of those prophecies. Do you know what that means? Thousands of years, hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus was ever born, these people said, God told me to say this, the Messiah will come, it'll happen like this, it'll be like this. They wrote it down. And thousands, some of them were 100 years before his birth, thousand years, 100 years later, it happened just like they prophesied. Even if it was man-made, there was no way that you could predict where he was going to be born. Come on now. How he was going to live. He, he might have could have adjusted to fit some of these old prophecies, but he couldn't, have, he couldn't have made his death happen the way it was supposed to happen. He surely couldn't make his birth happen the way it was supposed to happen. What I want you to understand is your Bible is God's word. Your Bible will bring life to you. Your Bible your, his, are his words, and they will transform your life if you'll take a hold of it. Isn't that good? Say yes. And I want to help you with something. I love you. My purpose in life is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to know your God and to fulfill, and fulfill your purpose and calling on this plan. I'm to equip you. You cannot grow if you only eat one meal a week on Sundays for 35 minutes. You've got to know his word for yourself. The Bible says in the last days, many will fall away and follow deceiving teachings. I'm talking about Christians. false prophets and false teachers will arise and deceive even the very elect it says why how can they be deceived because they don't really know the word they know what the preacher said but they don't know what the word says and friend i want you to know something you need to get the word in you isn't that good say yes come on we got a key scripture today today we're going to be talking about the cleansing power of the word how it will cleanse you and i how to deliver us from sin how it'll show us what sin is and so we'll start in ephesians chapter 5 here's our key verse for this message today ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 and through 27 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ loves the church. So, so this is that passage about how to, how to be married and in relationship. And all of a sudden, in the middle of telling husbands, and, and Paul actually is doing something that um, is not appropriate, or excuse me, not well accepted in his time, and that uh, husbands were never told uh, that they had to love their wives. The wives were told they had to submit to their husbands. So Paul's going off, off chart, if you will, and said, hey, hey, there's something much more about that in God. Husbands, you need to love your wife. And let me tell you how you need to love her. 
Let me tell you how. And he goes off script to bring out this whole clarity on doctrine about Jesus and our relationship with him. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look at verse 26. You'll see it kind of bold. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It starts and says, says basically that we, the church, are his bride. We're, it says, as, 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 husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So we're, we're the bride of Christ. We're the, we're, we're the love of, of Jesus. And, and this, this passage is pretty cool how it lays it out to us that literally he, uh, we are his bride, the church. Those who believe in Jesus, they are his bride. They are his wife-to-be, if you will. Are you with me? Say yes. And so I would like to point out something to each and every one of you. You need to stop talking bad about all the other churches. That's his bride. You need to stop talking bad about each other and what she didn't do right or the preacher didn't do right or that person that serves over there didn't do right or so-and-so at the last church. Stop it. That's his bride. And I don't know about you, but you start talking bad about my wife, you're going to find your teeth on the ground. I'm just telling you because that's my bride. That's my wife. You don't talk bad. The church is his bride. He will fix it. He will cleanse it. You and I just need to let him do what he's doing in us and let him do what he's doing in them and leave it alone. Isn't that good? Say yes. Because the moment we come out of all that criticism, the moment we come out of all that gossip and slander, the moment we stop doing that is the moment that Jesus can say, now that's what I'm talking about. I can grow this one over here. I can cleanse this one over here. And you don't have to be at each other's throat. We don't have to talk bad about each other. We got enough strife and difficulty in the world today. At least the church ought to stand up for the church. Isn't that good? Say yes. Even if you don't like the way they did it, even if they didn't do you exactly right, that's okay. It's his bride, and he'll fix it. Isn't that good? Say yes. And he says this. He says, and he's going to cleanse her. He's going to cleanse her. I want you to get a picture of what this is saying. So, so we don't do it as like the Middle East does it. Uh, you know, our, we, those of you that have been brides and uh, those of you that are married, you know, you remember leading up to the marriage date, the effort and the energy you went through to make yourself ready to be married. It was unbelievable. You lost weight. Come on now. You starved yourself, ladies. Come on. I, I, yeah, I know what you did. You starved yourself to fit in a dress that was four sizes too small. You went and got pedicures, manicures. You highlighted parts of your head that's never seen chemical on it. You pulled hair between your eyes, out of your ears. I mean, you just, you went through pain. And so you went to the tanning bed. Come on now. You cut, listen, you got, you put oils, you put creams. I mean, you went and got, you, you shopped for a dress for six years. My God. I mean, this whole process. And that is nothing compared to what they did in Bible times. The cleansing process that they would go through. And it actually became so ceremonial and had these spiritual implications. And this is literally what Paul is referencing when he's talking about Jesus is going to take us, the Christians, his bride, and he's going to cleanse us himself. And so the picture here is that we become his engagement, we become his, and he goes about himself cleansing us, making us right, so that he then can stand at the end of the aisle, and when the doors fly open, and dun, 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 she comes walking down us. I know that's a little creepy for fellas, but it is what it is. And we come walking down. We are beautiful and magnificent and worthy of who he is. And how did we get there? He did it. He made us worthy. He didn't come get us because we were worthy and we matched his, his level. No, 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 no. It says it. And he will cleanse us, washing us with what? The word of God. Washing us with what? Cleansing us through the word. 
See, here's the deal. You and I are sinners saved by grace. Everybody ought to say amen right there and be so proud of it. Thank you. We are sinners. How do we stop being what we naturally are? Jesus is going to cleanse us through the washing of his word. And then he's going to present us to himself. Look at the role he plays. He plays the role. He saves us, and then he starts cleansing us and working with us, and he's taking that word and getting it down in us and massaging it out of us and getting those old nasty wrinkles off. Come on now. He's tightening up those little fat cells. He's getting it all done, cleansing through the word, getting that stuff all out of us. Gets us all ready. He says, you look so amazing. Oh, my goodness, you look so amazing. Hold on just a second. I'll meet you down at the end. And then he goes, and he's standing, and he then presents us that he worked on to himself. I have worked through to make you worthy to be in relationship with me at the end of the age forever and ever and ever. I have cleansed you and made you righteous through the word. I have cleansed you and made you whole. And now come and enter into the banquet feast of the Lamb forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He does the work. We just simply obey. Yes, Lord, get that off too. Oh, oh I know that's nasty. Don't look at them. Oh, yeah, I could... We, I've had that funk between them toes ever since junior high, Lord. I'm so sorry. And he cleanses us through the washing of the word. Isn't that good? Say yes. So today, I want to teach you a little bit about how the word will go forth and cleanse us. How does the word of God cleanse us? People don't grasp the concept that this Bible is going to cleanse you. He's going to wash out all the junk through the word. And it's a process. Are you there? Say yes. So let's get the first. How does the word of God cleanse us? Number one, it shows us what sin is. The Bible shows us what sin is. Listen, before I was a Christian, let me explain something to you. Before I was a Christian, if you left your bike in the park, that became my bike. Because you were stupid enough to leave it in the park down the street from my house. I took it home, and you know what I did? I spray painted it so you would not realize it was yours. Why did I do that? Because that was good for me. I like that. I now have a bike I didn't have. You were dumb enough to leave it. I stole it from you. You're stupid enough to leave it. I scored. You're an idiot. Win. You with me? I didn't know that was sin. I got saved. And all of a sudden, Jesus came into my life. And I felt convicted for cussing you and whatever else. But I didn't know that was sin until I started reading the word. And all of a sudden, he said, stealing is thou shalt not steal. And I'm like, well, what if they're stupid? We, didn't, we don't know what sin is except for what the Word of God says it is. We don't know what right and wrong is except for the Word of God says it. Look what, I love this passage in Galatians. When I read this for the first time, I was like, oh, snap. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, he says, And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, ooh, we had a lot of that in my family. Idolatry, we didn't know what that was. Sorcery, yeah, the lady down the street did that. Hostility, that was us. Quarreling, oh, yes, sir. Jealousy, mm, probably. Outbursts of anger, every day. Selfish ambition, still to date. Dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, every Halloween, every Christmas, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday. Wild parties, yes and amen. And other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, snap. I didn't know what sin was until I got in the Word. I didn't know what sin was. I I didn't know. 
I didn't know. See, listen, the tragedy that we did, you know, 40 years ago when we took the Ten Commandments out of our public school system, let me tell you just the moral ramifications in our society. Now we have an entire generation that doesn't know that thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill, thou shall not bear false witness. There is not the standard of what is right and what is wrong. So what happens is every man does right in his own eyes. And so now what we have is a generation that says, you know what, <laughs> if I like it, it's right. If I don't like it, I don't do it, even if you think it's right, because I don't like it. And don't you judge me for not liking what I like, because what I like, therefore, is right, because I like it. And the Bible prophesies that. It actually says in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. So if it brings me pleasure, then it's good for me. And your little Bible-thumping ways, telling me and trying to force what you want on me, that's wrong. Because I know what right and wrong is because I've established right and wrong in and of myself. But where from which do we get the standard of right and wrong, my friend? Where do you get it from? From Darwin? Where do you get it from? You get it from this philosopher? Where did he get it from? From some ancient, you know, Hebrew language? Where where, where did he get what his right and wrong was from? Where did she get, where do you know what right and wrong is from? And friend, can I tell you something? It's established right in here in his word. And so for me, it doesn't matter if so-and-so believes this or so-and-so votes for this or so-and-so says this publicly, so forth. So all I do is go back to the word and say, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that's not what the Bible says. So it's not right. Because why? Because the creator of heaven earth, humanity, and everything that we know and everything that exists. His name, we call him God. His son Jesus is a representation on this earth who then died, resurrected, and seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And let me tell you what, he said, you are mine if you obey my teachings. Here's what we've done, unfortunately, in the church. We brought people to the cross for forgiveness of sins, but we've not brought them to Jesus for lordship. And this is where the problem is. Because everybody wants a little extra fire insurance. Listen, if you'll come to Jesus today, you'll live your best life. You'll never, ever have to worry about nothing. Really? Well, they ain't been serving God long. And so we bring them to the cross, and we all have done it. I, went, I got saved because when they told me I was going to burn in hell forever, I was like, I don't want to do that. Well, just come and say this prayer. Heck, yeah, I'll say a prayer. They said, now read his word, and he'll tell you what right and wrong is. I started reading it, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, you got to understand, my grandmother, my grandfather abandoned my grandmother with three kids. My grandmother half raised me because my natural father didn't have anything to do with getting my mama pregnant. So we lived with my grandmother. My grandmother half raised me. Let me tell you something. There were two things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about my natural father. And we surely didn't talk about my grandfather. My grandmother had a bitter root that was so deep. And so, and so as a result, I was bitter. I was just bitter. Anybody in authority, any male fear, I just bitter. Hated you, hated how de- coaches punch them in the face, principals oh, always in their office, just bitter against all that. Why? Because it came down through my grandmother, came into me, and I just like, you're right, Grandma, what you're saying is right. She'd been a good Baptist Sunday school teacher, gotten bitter because of the situation, and that thing just got, and so when I got saved and I read the scripture that said to forgive those who you call your enemies, to pray for them who despitefully use you and, and, and mistreat you. I was like, I'm in conflict. Because I want to be a Christian, but my right and wrong is being challenged by his standard. You don't even know what sin is, friend, outside of his holy word. His holy word shows us what sin is. Because who are we sinning against? Well, I just don't want to sin against. I hadn't hurt nobody else. 
you know, me getting drunk and stuff and, and just passing out. I ain't hurt nobody else. Mm, no, the Bible says that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I don't understand it. I know because you don't understand him. You don't understand him because you don't know his word. Because he put everything about his nature and his characteristics and his love for you and me and his holy standard, he put it in his word. And you and I, as we learn his word, we learn his nature and his characteristics. And as we realize how much he loves us, we begin to fall in love with him. And then his word becomes the standard by which we live. And it begins to cleanse us. The word of God will cleanse us as it shows us, first and foremost, what sin is. Are you there? Say yes. Here's the second thing that the word of God will do to cleanse us, and that is it will renew your mind. It will renew your mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says it like this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect. I don't know what God wants of me. I don't know. I know because your mind is still in the old ways. And this scripture says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is he going to renew your mind? By the washing of the word. The word of God begins to transform your thoughts. Can I help you with something? None of you went out and fell into sin, ever. People used to tell me that when I was a youth pastor. Pastor, I'm so sorry, I fell into sin, you liar. Tell your mama that, but that don't sell here. Sell it on eBay because I'm not purchasing it. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us do anything that we hadn't thought about first. I don't know how I fell in adultery with her. I can tell you how. She came over to your desk and you smelled her cologne, her perfume. You and your wife hadn't been enjoying yourselves. You've been mad at your wife because she didn't, you know, cook your favorite meal. And you're sitting there and the little secretary is sitting there and she smells good. And she's blinking her little eyes at you and your mind starts thinking, mm-hmm, you know I'm hot, don't you, girl? Mm. And you start thinking, tell me what I don't know. Those thoughts begin to stir up from your past. And then you start justifying, well, it'd be okay, you know. What my wife doesn't know won't hurt her. You start running the scenarios in your mind. How can I get away with it? How can I make this happen? You don't fall into sin. Your mind begins to plot and plan to get to those actions. That's why we must renew our mind and take every thought captive. Are you there? Say yes. Come on, you with me? Say yes. And this is how, look what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, and says, and we take captive every thought and make it be obedient to Christ. Can I tell you something? Just because it comes in your mind don't mean you need to say it. Jamie and I have been married 25 years. Can I tell you something? There are moments I can see it. She goes, I'll I'll do something stupid. I know I'm doing something stupid. I don't care because I'm being a, a knothead at that moment. And I'll see her. She'll go to... And I'm like, go ahead, say it. What was you going to say? And she was like, nope. I'm not saying it. Go ahead. Go ahead, say what you was going to say. And she'll tell me, if I say what I was about to say, it will destroy you. (laughs) You will be a pile of flesh on the ground, weeping and crying, you little dummy. But I will hold my tongue and take captive the thought that I was thinking on where I could purchase that poison and how I could put it in your food and how I could get away with your million-dollar life insurance policy and live a happy life. But she had to take that thought 
captive. Come on, somebody. She had to take it captive. Listen, just because it comes into your mind don't need you, mean you need to tell your boss that. Just because you think it doesn't make it right. Are you there? You have to renew your mind. You have to get that junk out and take it captive and make it obey Christ. This is what the Word of God does. Let me explain to you how the Word of God helps you take captive every thought. The thought that you're going to, that you, if you, you know, I'm going to be a loser all my life. I don't understand. I didn't get the promotion. I'm going to be a loser. That's a, that's a high thought that needs to be taken captive. You say, well, how do I do it? Let me explain to you. Pastor Jonathan last week talked about when they go fishing, they go catch crickets in the yard. Well, I'm from Louisiana. We didn't catch crickets. We catch worms. And so my grandmother had a little, uh, she had a little compost pile in the back of our property, uh, in the back of her little uh, yard. You know, she had a little eighth of an acre in the city, in, in the little neighborhood. And she put all her, all her, uh, all of her coffee grounds and all of her, you know, egg, egg, you know, shells and all that and just let it rot back there. And then she would take that soil and she'd put it on her, she'd put it over on her, you know, tomato plants and she'd have tomatoes that year and so forth. But because she had that compost pile, had been going for about 20 years, do you know how soft that dirt was? And when you would push all that back, you know what was down in that dirt? Worms, baby. And the big old fat nightcrawler kind. I mean, the ones that those brim and those little baby bass go, yes, sir. And so you know what I would do? I would pull all that back, and those little worms would be sitting right there, barely on the top of it, kind of halfway in the dirt. And i go right down in there, and i grab them, and I'd pull them suckers up like that, and they're squirming like, let go of me. I'm like, no, no, I will not. And I'd throw them down in that coffee can, and I'd grab another and put it in that Folgers can, and I'd get all them suckers in there, and I'd go out fishing, I'd put them on the hook, and they're like, oh, you're killing me and that's right I am killing you and I put it down in that water and that fish would go and that fish would eat that worm and then I would eat that fish come on Jesus the whole process it's a circle of life and an end in is how it has to be do you know why that worm get, eat, got eaten up because I took it captive do you know how I took it captive because I'm stronger than it is right I know you've seen the 60 movies, you know, with the giant worm eating flesh, you know, that. No, no, no. I'm stronger than it is. How do you overcome the thoughts in your mind that are wicked, perverted, and not like Jesus? You apply something stronger, which is his word. It's what he said. So when you're thinking, I'm a loser, no, 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 no. His word says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. There you go with your little Bible thumping, yeah, friend. And I'm renewing my mind and pulling down the strongholds while you're still suffering, trying to keep your marriage together, while you're still suffering in a dead-end job because you can't get ahead, while you're still going back and forth, cheating on this person, cheating on that one, and can't find love. Why? Because you won't apply the Word of God to your situation, yet you call yourself a Christian. Friend, let me tell you something. Get the Word and take every thought captive. Say, no, that don't line up with the Word. Wait a minute. You said that. My brain thinks that, but the Bible says that. Wait a minute. Get that. Blah, blah, blah. Put that on the hook, get the fish, eat that. Come on, we're growing. There we go. And that's the whole process, what it looks like. You've got to renew your mind through the washing of the word because that's where sin starts. How do you overcome sin? How does the word of God cleanse you? First, by showing you what sin is. The second thing it does is it actually helps you renew your mind. Here's the third thing that the word of God does in reference to cleansing you, and that is it reveals his love for you. See, sin is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of what? of not knowing how much he loves me and not actually loving him to the fullness, right? Right? My wife doesn't not cheat on me because there's not better looking men out there, which there aren't, but still, that's not the point. <laughs> she doesn't cheat on me because someone's not nicer than me or richer than me. She doesn't cheat on me because she loves me, right? So she's faithful to that love. Sin is like cheating on the Lord. The reason why we do that is because we don't know his depth of love for us. 
And so we can't respond to that love with our love. Because the Bible says it like this. We love him because he first loved us and gave his life up for us. Are you tracking with me? So love, genuine love, keeps me from sinning against the Lord. I'm still a sinner. I'm still an idiot. Oh, snap. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I still, I still say dumb stuff to my wife, and I love her with all of my heart. And she's like, Are you, did you really just say that? I'm like, no, yes. I don't know. Maybe. Yes, I did. You know, back and forth, you know how we are. And in that moment, the Word of God will begin to show you how much He loves you. Then sin won't be so attractive. Let me give you a quick verse here to hold on to. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Ephesians 2, 4, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what this just says? He says, listen, it's not because you were so good. Christ so loved you. God so loved you that, 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 he, that he came and he died and he poured out mercy on you. Mercy you don't deserve. And, he, and because of that process, it made us alive to Christ. And in our coming to Jesus, said, yes, I want to be a Christian. I just want to be a follower of you. God then takes us and sets him beside Sets us beside Jesus, where all demons and principalities are under Jesus' feet, and therefore we're, they're under our feet as well. He takes us from a position of losership and he makes us a joint heir with Christ. He says, Listen, I love you so much, not only will I save you from yourself, but I'm going to empower you to have authority over everything else. Friend, that is the love that until you get down into his word, you can't grasp. And here's what happens is we see love through our lens, we see love through the fact that our dad didn't treat us well. Our stepdad that molested us or a mom who was controlling and lived her whole life through us and we think that that's what love is and we see it through that filter so when we say God loves us you can see it in certain people's eyes they go "Mm mm-hmm what does love look like until you get the word of God and you can see what his love really looks like it'll start transforming your idea of what love is and we've got an entire generation that thinks that sex is love they think that sexual pleasure is love because that's how you make love that's how you find love that's what love is. You have sex with that person. You take your clothes off and y'all have sex. Y'all do something intimate and sacred. And you can do it anytime you want in marriage, outside of marriage, same sex, other sex, animals, whatever you want to do. Because you want it, because you feel it, because you have the sense, you have this need. And friend, the problem with that whole concept is this. That it's not real love. And the only way you can know real love is to know the Father's love. Because he's the one who created love. Because he is love. And you don't understand that love until you get down into his word. And now all of a sudden, sin's not attractive to you as much anymore because his love permeates your life. Because as you read it, can you see that he says of us that you are my son, you are my daughter. I have sent my son, that I so loved you that I sent the most precious commodity, my son, and I sent him to the earth. And that whoever would believe in him, just anybody would believe in him, they won't perish but have eternal life. I love you so much. But you can't see that when you're looking through the filter of good, bad, and ugly. Your sense of what right and wrong is. You can't see it through the filter of dead religion. You can't see real love. And what the Bible does, first off, it helps us know what sin is. Second of all, what it does is it it actually starts renewing our mind so that we won't go live in sin. And the third thing it does is reveal his love to us and the depths of it. So so that's like, like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I told a person, you know, a couple weeks ago. 
bro, you got that many years in marriage? Why would you throw it away for that stupid thing? This is the real love. This is just, just a fake. The light bulb went on. Yeah, you're right. And that's what sin is to me. Like, really? You? What I got, why would I want that? But I wouldn't have known that except for the word of God. Isn't that good? Say yes. Are you still with me? Say yes. And so today, as we're talking about the cleansing process of the word of God, I, I thought, how can I, what can I do to help you actually start the cleansing process? Because, you know, I get told all the time, yeah, I just don't feel God anymore. I just don't know where God's at. I don't know, I don't know what the problem is. I have an item that I want to sell you today. It's gonna, it's, I, I've got to, I've got to make a little money off of it. And so we've been working on it. We've got a little marketing piece for it for here just a, just a moment. And I just, you know, if, if, go ahead and just show them my marketing piece. I think if you, if you buy this today, I think you'll be pretty good. I, but, you know, I need you to get the product in your hand. So go ahead and play that for them so they'll know what I want them to buy. Are you experiencing great clogs in your spiritual life? No matter how hard you try, does nothing seem to be working? Introducing the Bible Rooter. Simply apply the Bible Rooter to your spiritual problems. Insert daily as needed. All of the things that for once clogging your drain should be removed. As you can see, the things that were getting in between you and God are now being uprooted. Oh my gosh, is that a fishing net? Is that a golf club? For only $19.99, you can order your own Bible Rooter today. <laughs> Come on, give it up for the Bible Rooter. All right. All the visitors are like, that dude just lied. He said he was going to sell me something. I'm not. I'm just, I just want to, I'm that serious about trying to get you into the word of God. I'm that serious about you learning to read his word and apply it to your life and it cleansing power at work in mining your life. First John chapter one says it like this. If you'll turn there quickly with me. First John chapter one, verses eight through 10. We'll start there. And it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Everybody say, amen, amen. And the truth is not in us. Verse nine, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. What has no place in our lives? His what? His word. We're talking about the word of God today. We're talking about the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. If we, it, it says, it says, if we Uh, excuse me, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives if we claim to be without sin. Guys, we're all sinners. How do we know that? Because the word of God points it out. Dude, yeah, you got to work on that. You're right, God. I just, I want to kill them. I just want to murder them. That's not good, right? And God's like, no, but that's okay. Stand still. And he scrubs. Remember, because he is cleansing us. Through the washing of his, say it with it, through the washing of his, so you need to picture every day, this is what mine in relationship with Jesus looks like every day, Lord, I love you so much, I know, buddy, you're so awesome, sit down for a second, we're going to have to scrub some more stuff off, and I just, he's scrubbing and scrubbing and getting it off of me, and every day, say, pastor, when does he stop scrubbing all the stuff off, when we get to heaven, friend, till that time, in my opinion, he's working those things scrubbing those things off why because we all sin we all sin but if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to cleanse cleanse us if we pretend like we're not sinner then we make him out to be a liar and his word's not in us because the fact that his word is in me shows me oh oh, i still got such an attitude about that 
I am still so full of selfish ambition. Dog, dog, I thought, I thought, man, Jesus, help me. Oh, yeah, buddy, I got you. Scrubby, scrubby, scrub. Let's put the Bible rooter in that. And he starts digging down into that junk and starts pulling it out of us. Isn't that good? Come on, somebody say yes. If you'll skip down to chapter 2, which is just the next verse past 10, and verse 3, we'll skip down to verse 3 of 1 John 2, 3. It says, and we know that we have come to know him. We know that we have come to know him. How do I know that you've come to know Jesus? If we obey his commands. How can I obey commands that I don't know what they are? How can I be in right relationship if I don't know what he stood for, what he believed, what he commanded? And we know that we are his if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. That is so strong. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Back to verse 5. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. You want to know how to love God? Obey his word. He said, I don't know his word. I know. That's why we're going to do a 30 for 30 challenge. And we're going to start reading the Bible every day. Say, I don't know how to read the Bible. Just start. Get the Bible app. Go ahead and download it to your phone. In fact, you don't know how to read the Bible? Let it read it to you. They actually have it audio. You can just push play and listen to it. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Or, what? I don't know what that means. And it's a whole process. It's wonderful. And if you do that for 30 days, you'll start a habit of getting the word of God in you. Once that word starts getting inside of you, it start, it's going to start cleaning up some stuff. It's going to start getting in there and pulling up some old attitudes. Come on now. It's going to get in there and start pulling up some old selfish ambition and getting it out of there. It's going to get in there and start pulling up that lack of faith that God can actually heal you. He's going to start pulling it out. He's going to start pulling and removing those pieces. Let me give you three ways or three, uh, three ways to deal with the sin that's clogged up in our drains. Come on. Number one, we heard it in 1 John, confess. Confess. He says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just. You want to get that clog out? You want to say, I don't, I don't know why God don't feel God. I don't sense God anymore. I don't understand. You got a clog. Let's get it out. And that, you do that by confessing your sin. Lord, I'm sorry. I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize that I have been, I have been hard-hearted in reference to what you told me to do. The Lord told me to, to give away something years ago, and I refused. It was worth a lot of money. I was like, no, that ain't, I bind you, Satan, in every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. God said, give that away. I was like, no, that can't be the Lord. Then I started, I started in my daily Bible reading, it was all about giving. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I ended up in the book of Acts. And they brought everything they had and laid it at the apostles' feet. So I'm like, golly. So finally submitted to it. When I did, it was like, it was like a gully washer. Of, it, was like, it was like the power of God started surging through me. It was like, wow. I've been, I've been like spiritually constipated because I refuse to obey the word. Come on, somebody. Here's the second way that you can deal with sin. The second way to deal with sin or unclog the drain, and that is to seek out the word. Seek out the word. Seek it out. So here's how I would illustrate that. When I was, you know, I didn't grow up a Christian. We got radically saved. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, power of God, praying for people, getting healed. And so the Lord called me to go to Bible school, and I, I, I left college. I went to Bible school. And, uh, and the first month I was in there, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, all the old pornography that I had seen as a kid, all the old perverted thoughts were like all bombarding my mind. And so, man, I went to people and I had them lay hands on me and try to cast the devil out of me. Nothing came out. Uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I had an accountability partner, bro, just pray for me. And they're praying like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? You got a problem. Like, you must be a perv. 
I'm like, I know, I don't know what's wrong. I just want to be right with God. I'd be in the middle of worship and, and, and you know, in, in Bible school and some gal with spandex would come in front of me and worship the Lord. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to burn in hell for sure. I am going to bust it wide open. And then, to the point of this message, I found out that I can renew my mind by the washing of the word. So, I was like, what does that mean? The Lord started revealing it to me. I was like, what does that scripture mean? And he's like, go find every scripture on purity that you can. I begin to memorize that, begin to get it down in your knower, begin to say it over and over again until it makes sense to you, until it takes root and faith in you. And friend, that's what I did. I went and found every scripture I could find on purity and against lustfulness and perversion. I wrote down, you know, uh, Job, uh, 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 Job 31.3, you know, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a maiden. Second Timothy, you know, flee youthful lust. I wrote them all on three by five cards. I must have had 23 by five cards. And I was carrying my little stack around. I'd wake up in the morning, put them on my mirror and brush my teeth. I mean, I'm not going to love today in Jesus' name. I get that way. I made a covenant. I, make, I don't know what that means, but I'm covenanting something with my eyes. Hallelujah. I'm fleeing you for lust. I guess that means I need to take off running in the middle of Bible class. I don't know. And so I just, and I'm, remember, I'm putting them on my car, on my dashboard, you know, right there where your, uh, where your speedometer's at. I put them right there so I could drive and look at it and drive and look at it. I ran more red lights. I'm telling you right now, I sped more time. And I get, I'd have them in my pocket in the middle of Bible class, you know. We'd be in the middle of chapel worship or something. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And here comes spandex girl in front of me, you know. And I pull out them car made a covenant with my eyes. I will not look lustful upon them. A covenant with my eyes. Frank, can I tell you something? It wasn't days, it wasn't weeks, but within about a month or so, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but the word of God got that rotor reader down in there, pulled that clog up. All of a sudden, my mind was clean. I wasn't looking at anybody because I was so ashamed. I'd walk around like this. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And man, I want you to know something. I've been faithful to my wife. I've been faithful in my mind, my mind's cleansed I'm telling you, and that was 30 years ago God has been so good to me and so gracious all because of the word of God you need to seek out the word for your situation, get a hold to it and you got sickness in your body, I would find every doggone healing scripture and hold on to it I would quote it, I would memorize it I would speak it until something happened I'll tell you, if I was struggling with finances, I'd get all my finances, scriptures, and I'd hold on he says, I'm the head and not the tail I'm above and not beneath, I'm going to lend and not borrow and I would quote that and get that word down in me and let it go down into that doubt and that unbelief and that old poverty thing that's been on my family and start pulling that junk out until the word of God begins to loose all that stuff and you'll see the flow of God come flowing through your life. Third and last piece, we got to go quickly. And that is, how do we get that cleansing thing going, get those clogs out? Then the third thing is, we then have to obey the word. That's where the problem's at. That's where the problem's at. You know, when the Bible says, thou shalt not lie, you need to stop lying. It's like, man, that's, that's so good. That's so good. That, that's why we don't like, listen, how many of you guys how many of you guys went to church back in the day and walked away from church because you said, that person's a hypocrite? Why did you say that? Because either they preached the word that they didn't live. Come on, somebody. They've been in the church their whole life, and they're still bitter and grouchy and mean. It's like, dude, if being a Christian is going to make me as horrible as you, I'm just not going to ever even think about going to church again. I had people like that in my life. I was like, dude, if this is the end result of being a Christian for 50 years, I quit. Serve Satan. I'm out. This is crazy. Because somewhere along their pathway, they stopped obeying the word. 
we're all sinners. We're all messing up with each other and hurting each other and being stupid and making mistakes. That's part of life. But at some point, you can look at them, and lost people can do it. They're like, dude, I don't know what you Christians are all about. That's why they don't want to be a Christian, because like, you don't even live what you say you believe. And the reason why is because there's a moment in all of our lives with all of the different particular sins, all the scrubbing that Jesus is trying to do, where we go, enough! And we have to say, will I let him go that deep? Because this one really hurts. Like forgiving a person who molested you. Like trusting God again after your babies die and you ask him not to let them die. Like loving people again in ministry when they have mishandled you, misappropriated you, and lied about you. Like going back to work when they circulated that email about you that was untrue and still loving them as Christ loves the church and gave himself up. Or trusting again, believing again. Friend, I'll tell you something. You are his disciples if you obey his teachings. Not if you know what they are but if you obey them. And I know that's the hard spot for all of us. But once you start obeying, it becomes so much easier. You're like, Pastor, why are you always smiling and laughing? Because <laughs> I'm obedient. Because I've been captured. I'm just a follower of Jesus. I don't have my own agenda anymore. Whatever he wants, what I want, he, been, he destroyed that years ago. And, and then he put his dream in my heart. And it's just so joyous to follow him day in and day out with all my stupidity, all my mistakes. I want you to know something. He is going to present you to himself as a radiant bride. And he is about the business of washing you through his word. If you and I will just allow the process, I promise you, the clogs will be removed. You'll heal the sick. You'll raise the dead. You'll cast out devils. You'll live this life as it was meant to be lived with all the supernatural aspects of it, with all the beauty of it, with all the hardships of it, with all the difficulties. It'll be so beautiful. Why? Because you're not clogged with sin because you've learned that the word will cleanse it all. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent today. You've, you've really received the word of the Lord for yourselves today. I want you to just close your eyes. Put your Bible down. Put your notebook down. Put your iPhone down. Put your spouse down. Just set it all down for a second. (laughs) You're holding her. I want you just to close your eyes. And the reason I get you to do that is so you can have a moment of intimacy with the Lord. A large crowd of people like this with people moving around. It's easily distracting as God's trying to talk to you. So if you close your eyes, I promise it's a safe place. Nobody's stealing your wallet. But if you just close your eyes right now, could you take a moment and just have that with the Lord? As I was speaking about the power of the word to cleanse you, if you're like me, which I think you probably are, your mind was just, just telling you all the sin that you have in your life, almost condemning you. I know I've been there. I'm I'm there every other day. But the word of God points out what sin is to us, not so that we can be condemned, but so that we can be cleansed. And your heart's tender. You want God. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't want God. So right where you stand, with your head bowed and your eye closed, what sin has clogged your pipes? Start there with the Lord. And say, Lord, 
Would you help me? Remember the steps that we found in 1 John? Confess. God, I need help. God, I can't do this on my street. Why? Because who's going to fix you? Who's going to cleanse you? Not you. He's going to do it. He is going to take his own bride and he's going to cleanse us through the washing of the word as we obey and allow him to cleanse us. And then he's going to grab us adorned in all of his beauty and then present us to himself as the Bible calls a radiant bride. As you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed, what sin embarrasses you? What has clogged up the flow of your life? It's okay. We're all sinners. In fact, if you say that you're not a sinner, you're a liar, is what this passage says. But if we confess, he's faithful. He's going to cleanse us. So right where you stand, if you see something that's clogging your spiritual pipes, would you just say it to the Lord? Lord, I confess. I I really, I really have that hatred in my heart for so-and-so. God, I'm really struggling with perversion. Don't try to justify it. Well, because what happened to me and what so-and-so did, that's why I'm doing this. No, just, just own it. And as you begin to confess, watch and sense his goodness towards you. He's not mad at you. He loves us. It's so amazing. I don't know. Who told us we had to be perfect? Who told us? that we, were, we could fix ourselves. If we could have done that, we could have lived by the law and the Ten Commandments. The Torah was fulfilled in Christ. And He's cleansing us to make us a radiant bride. Father, I thank You right now in Jesus' name that You hear the cry of the humble heart. Lord, we recognize our humanity, our sinfulness, and we ask You now. We ask You now, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Reveal Your Word and Your truth that will bring power to overcome those thoughts, those strongholds of the mind those lies that we're a loser, that we'll never amount to any, anything God, repel that with your holy word show us, teach us Father, I pray right now, Lord God every man and woman in this room Lord God, that they would begin to sense what has been lost over the years of being a Christian because they did not know your word and I pray that almost like a holy anger would take them over and they would realize, I have, been, I, I have been fishing without any bait, without any rod and reel. I have, been, I have been trying to knock down a wall that is eight feet thick of concrete with a fork. God, I pray that they would have a revelation today of the power of 66 books that have been established almost 2,000 years ago, completed so that we could be cleansed and empowered so that we could know who you are and what you are and we could be like you. Today we humble ourselves and we walk in obedience to what your word says. Show us your word. We'll seek it out and then we'll obey it. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If today you're in this place and you're not a Christian, you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I gotta be honest. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but I walked away. You know, I don't know what happened. Life just happened. And I I can't say that me and Jesus have a relationship. I I don't know if I died today if I'd go to heaven. In fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. Pastor, I've got to be honest with you. The sink isn't just clogged. The toilet's clogged. The bathtub's clogged. My whole life is clogged full of sin. And I need Jesus. As you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed. 
you're not a Christian or you're away from God and you want to come home, I'd like to pray with you. You say, what, what do I have to do? See, friend, that's, you're still missing it. He did it all. He paid it forward. That death on a cross, I know that Madonna wrote a song about it and it wasn't that big of a deal. And I know that people talk about it and, and you don't get the power of it. You've got to understand, all of history stopped. And it's become the point of humanity that God would strap his son to a cross and pay forward against all of our sins, bridging the gap between us and God so that we could have a relationship again with him. It's been paid for. Your response is simply to say, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that this is true. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you're away from God, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to pull you forward, out of your seat or anything, right there where you stand. I'm going to pray with you. But I ask you to take a step, a step of honesty by admitting that to yourself and admitting that to the Lord. No one's looking around, just me, you, and Jesus. If this is you, lift your hand right where you're at. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from God, but I want to come back to the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Make sure I see your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. I see it. God bless you. Put it back down. Anybody else? Wave it at me. Make sure I want to pray with you. Right here where you're standing. God bless you. I see it. Anybody else? Three seconds and we're going to move on. I don't want you to leave in this, leave in this place without have the opportunity to be made right with the Lord. Amen. Every hand down now. I'm going to lead you in this prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the congregation to pray it out loud with you. I just want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I ask you now to cleanse me. I admit I'm a sinner. But today I recognize you can fix it. And so I surrender to what you did. I ask you now to be my Lord, my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray for my precious friends who just came to you. I thank you right now that they'll sense your forgiveness. That they would know in their knower, it's all good. It's done. It's over. It's like going and getting a, you know, for some of them, it was like going and getting a root canal. God, it's done. It's over. Father, they are forgiven. It's all been paid for. Now let the joy of the Lord overtake the fear of not being good enough. God, let the confidence that you're going to begin cleansing them. They can't do it in their own strength. And that your word will become the life source to their very soul. Now would you join hands with that person next to you and take the last 60 seconds with me. And I'd like you to be the body of Christ as we close out. And I want you to pray for the person standing next to you. And I want you to ask the Lord to strengthen them, to cleanse them, that the word of God, that they would fall in love with it over the next 30 days. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that our congregation will be the strongest men and women in the world. Lord God, that they'll know your word. They'll know what sin is. They'll know what obedience is. They'll know what power of God is. They'll know what the word of God can do to cleanse them and strengthen them. That they'll be holy and righteous. Not because they're good, but because you're cleansing us. Because you are good. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that every one of these men and women would fall in love with the word of God. That the word of God will become a source 
of life to them. That it would be a daily interaction with the living God through his word. That, Lord, the cleansing that would transpire would be unprecedented across this congregation and across our influence all around the nations of the world. Father, I pray peace and joy in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen.